Now this upset the king who had hired Balaam to curse the nation, and instead he offered a blessing over the nation. When he spoke a blessing over the nation, he spoke this prophecy in Numbers 24, 17. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. So Balaam, this pagan prophet who heard from God, spoke a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Christmas is upon us, and I remember, oh, as a young boy, the winter season, and not so much time like this, when we're kind of in between. I know we're winter out there. It's uh, going to be officially upon us in a couple of days, as far as the shortest day of the year. That should be something to celebrate with the shortest day of the year coming, because they have gotten pretty short. But the snowy winters as a little boy playing outdoors, and I spent much of my childhood playing outside. Get this, this will be strange to those who are younger, but when I was a little boy, I remember a colored TV being delivered to our house. That was a big deal. Technicolor, the first show I ever watched was Bozo the Circus in living color. That was when I was probably around four or five years old. I'm thinking four because my sisters, they were at school. I was not. So I'm just kind of timing it where my sisters, my older sisters were not at home. And they no doubt they were at school. The TV was delivered that day. I had not yet started school and or I was in kindergarten and only had a half a day of school back then. But I remember that. I remember mom and dad, as a young teenager, buying my first video game. It was called Pong. (laughs) You plug it into the TV and you watch this little ball bounce back and forth. It was kind of uh, boring, but it was the beginning of what would just, for our youth today, 
it seems to consume most of their times. They've come a long way with those things. But because Pong didn't hold a lot of interest for me, and thinking about television, we didn't have cable. We had only a selective few channels. There were only certain times of the day that they ran any kind of children programming. You know, I wasn't going to sit down and watch soaps with my mom. So I went outdoors and played. And I spent a lot of time outdoors. What made it better is, for me as a child, we lived in a valley. We were the last house at the end of the street. There was a creek that was adjacent us. There was woods beyond that creek. And so we had a playland that we could go into. Me and my friends that lived around the neighborhood there, we would often spend our time playing in the woods adjacent to our house sometimes in the creek, sometimes not. We had a snowy winter at times, and sometimes it was like this. And I remember as a teenager once, no snow, and with a creek, we had smooth ice, and we ice skated almost to Lake Michigan until the warm waters of Lake Michigan kind of met the creek water that was frozen. And when it got a little soft, uh, we turned around. But that is a memory. It was a blast, because if you ever had been near a creek. Um, I grew up next to one. Uh, there was a lot of stuff in them often. Uh, you could have fallen trees, rocks, uh, a dry riverbed, and all that, and ice skating. You had all these things that you got to maneuver around or jump over and become a real Olympian at that time. But one of my favorite memories as a little boy, and this is without my friends. I don't know why, but my mom, she... Uh, she had dinner on the table when my dad came home. Maybe this is something that her mother did for her father when he came in. There was dinner, it was time to eat. But for my dad, he got home at like 3.30. So we ate dinner at 3.30, Monday through Friday. It was always early. And here's something that me and my sisters, my wife, we could never figure out. If dad had to work late, we still had dinner at 3.30. It's like he got leftovers, we ate dinner. But I think the early dinner played into the wintertime outdoor activities because while 3.30, you still had a little bit of daylight left. By the time we had dinner, it was dark out. And so one snowy winter, I remember building a snow fort by my trusty lantern. And I know, I know what parents in their right mind would allow a little boy to have you know, kerosene oil and matches and a lantern and go off and play. But, you know, I carried the pocket knife that my parents gave me also. So it was a different time back then. We learned to play with matches and I didn't burn down too many things. It's amazing. <laughs> but that light from that little lantern, we lived in a valley. There was no street lights. It was dark down there. We were surrounded by woods. And so that light made it possible for me to go out and to build a snow fort. Who knew that I would become a builder as I grew older, but the mechanics were already there. I was already figuring it out as a young child. But I wouldn't have been able to do it without the light. And that's true for us in life itself. We need lights. For example, if we were to take away the lights of the sun, the earth temperature would dramatically alter. In fact, science has said 
And this is an article that came out in Popular Science. If the sun would simply turn off, which is actually a physical impossibility, their words, the earth would stay warm, at least compared to the space surrounding it, for a few million years. But we surface dwellers would feel the chill much sooner than that. Within a week, the average global surface temperature would drop below zero. In a year, it would dip to minus 100. And the article actually went on to say that humanity then would have to create uh, dwellings beneath the sea, in the depths of the sea, that would hold warmer temperature for a longer period of time. But light is vital. Light is so important to us, but sadly, the light that should be most important to us is a light that has been often neglected by humanity, and it's the light of God's love that shines through the brightness of his Son. He who is born the Savior of the world is also the star and the light of the world. And we want to look at that today in a message that I entitled, The Star and the Light of Jesus. And we're going to see the star in Numbers 24, 17. This is important Old Testament prophecy that connects us to the birth of Jesus Christ. We're also going to see the light that Jesus declared of himself in John 8, 12. And then we're going to look at what Jesus called us the light of the world in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. So I'm going to go ahead and just uh, ask God to bless the teaching of his word, also the offertory, which I've neglected to pray for. And then we'll get into our message this morning. So Father, we ask that you would bless the teaching of your word, that you would help us to see perhaps, Lord, or to be reminded of the truth of your word, something maybe we haven't thought about in a while or something we've never known. Teach us, Father, this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for your provision. As last week we celebrated our 29th year in ministry here in Lake Villa, Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we thank you, Lord, that you have provided for this place for 29 years. And now, Lord, we are heading toward the 30th anniversary celebration. It's nearly a year away, but Lord, we thank you for every day you've given us to serve you here on this earth. And Lord, we pray for the gifts given to this place that helps us to have video for social media of our sermons, helps us, Lord, to keep the radio ministry funded, that we can reach out to our community via radio, and helps us, Lord, to be a light in our community as a fellowship, a church here, Lord. It's so important. We ask, Father, that you would now bless the teaching of your word, bless this day, Lord, in our lives. Make it special for us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we begin with a star. And this connects to the birth of Jesus Christ. As we know, in the Christmas story, the wise men came from the east, bringing gifts to a newborn king of the Jews, a familiar Christmas time story to us. And when they came to Jerusalem, they sought the king. And it really tells us that these wise men who came, that they had some perhaps type of nobility or stature or standing. I mean, if I showed up in Washington and said to whomever's in charge, I would like to talk to the president, 
Do you think that they would really be concerned with me showing up saying, I'd like to see the president? I'd like to see the king. But they came to King Herod and they asked this question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and we have come to worship him. Matthew 2, 2. And their question made it to the ears of the king of Jerusalem at that time. The king of Jerusalem at that time was King Herod. Now, King Herod was a very jealous king. He'd actually, by this time, already killed two of his sons. He was worried that they would take his throne. And so it was said of King Herod that it's safer to be a pig in the house of King Herod than to be one of his own sons. So it worried him, it troubled him, that these men came from probably the area of Iraq or Babylon, came asking about the birth of the king of the Jews. There was another reason that this troubled King Herod. King Herod, though he was by title the king of the Jews at that time, he was not Jewish. He was an Edomite. He was put on the throne because Rome wanted him there but not because he was in the line of the Messiah. He was not of the Davidic line. He did not come through the genealogy, the lineage of David as Jesus would. And so this was another reason that it troubled him because he knew he wasn't the rightful heir according to prophecy of the throne of the Jews. Yet how did the wise men know that this star that they had seen, they said, we saw his star in the east. How did they know that it was a star proclaiming the coming Messiah of the Jews? Well, this ties together with a prophet in the Old Testament. I deem him as a pagan prophet. Other Bible commentators actually say that he was a true prophet of God who was corrupted. It could be either way, but... He aligned himself with not the Jewish people. That's why I say he's a pagan prophet. He was not aligned with the Jewish people. Although when he was hired by the king of the Moabites to curse the Jewish people, he initially said to the men who came to hire him for their king, wait here while I go and pray to God. And he came back and said, I cannot curse them. And they offered him a lot of money off ultimately up to half the kingdom of the Moabites. And it seems that Balaam, this pagan prophet, desired the riches of this world. So he agreed to go with the men, but he said, I can only speak what God tells me to speak. And you may know this account of Balaam, especially those who have been raised up in Sunday school. When we speak about a donkey speaking. It was Balaam's donkey that he was riding upon where the Bible says the angel of the Lord stood before him. And three times the donkey went off path. Well, two times he went off path because the angel of the Lord stood before Balaam with his sword lifted. And the donkey could see it, but the pagan prophet could not. 
And so the donkey squeezed by the angel of the Lord. Remember earlier I, I had spoken of the angel of the Lord uh, with the definite article referring to Jesus Christ standing before him with the sword. The second time the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path with a cliff uh, beside him. And so the donkey pressed Balaam's leg into the side of the cliff. It upset him and he whipped the donkey. And then the angel of the Lord stood before him in a path that the donkey could not get around him. So he simply laid down in the road. And Balaam began to beat his donkey and the donkey began to speak to him and he said, why have you beat me these three times? Now, we're amazed that a donkey would speak. What's more amazing that Balaam wasn't seemingly shocked by it. He began to argue with his donkey <laughs> as to why he was beating him because he wasn't an obedient donkey. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He saw the angel of the Lord standing before him. He knew that then he could only speak what the Lord would tell him or show him and nothing more, nothing less. And so he may have went after the money, and ultimately he did. But he had a clear message from the angel of the Lord. Say only what you're allowed to say and nothing more. So what ended up happening, that he did go to the king of Moab, Barak. He did speak over the nation of Israel but every time he spoke a word concerning Israel, he blessed the nation. Now this upset the king who had hired Balaam to curse the nation. And instead, he offered a blessing over the nation. When he spoke a blessing over the nation, he spoke this prophecy in Numbers twenty-four seventeen. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. So Balaam, this pagan prophet, who heard from God, spoke a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. He said, not now or not near, he understood that Jesus' coming was not for his day or not for the near future. And yet God allowed Balaam to look down through the centuries and see the coming of Jesus Christ, to see his star. A star shall come. And this is the only place in the Old Testament where Jesus is connected to being a star. A star shall come. And there's only one other place in the New Testament where Jesus is called a star. We just read this as we closed out the book of Revelation in Revelation 22:16, where it's Jesus is speaking, declaring to John, saying, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And so we have testimony of his star in the Old Testament in Numbers 24, verse 17. And Jesus calling himself the bright and morning star in Revelation 22:16, both from the Old and the New Testament, confirming one another the star that is connected to Jesus Christ. He also referred to the scepter. 
The scepter shall rise up from the nation of Israel or rise up out of Israel. And this came from an earlier prophecy that on Wednesday evenings, we recently studied here as well as we've been going through the book of Genesis. In Genesis 49.10, when Jacob was blessing his 12 sons, he spoke a blessing over Judah. And in that blessing, he said these words, Genesis 49.10, a scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of his people. Have you ever wondered how the Magi knew that the star that they saw in the east pointed to the king of the Jews? Perhaps they got their information from a pagan prophet named Balaam. In Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2, Matthew tells us, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And it is to this day that the wise continue to worship Jesus. And I have to tell you that it seems that there is not as many who are wise who recognize Jesus in the day and age that we live in. We've seen today a star, an important prophecy from Numbers 24, 17, the only place in the Old Testament that refers to the star from which I believe the Magi, here's the thing with Balaam, historically they have discovered his name outside of biblical sources that he was a highly regarded prophet some 500 years after his death. So it doesn't surprise me that wise men from the east might have been studying ancient prophecies and stumbled upon a prophecy from a prophet named Balaam, who was hired to curse the nation of Israel. But when he opened his mouth, only blessing could come forth. So it was, my prop, when I was a little boy, I had a little lantern. This is my lantern from when I was a kid. I broke the globe. I redesigned it to have a different globe in it that isn't there any longer. It still has a wick, but the wick doesn't turn anymore. It's not been used. There's no fuel in it anymore. But this was the light that I built the snow fort by. The only reason it still exists to this day is as I got older, we had a shed in the backyard, had it hanging in my mom and dad's shed, and it hung there until mom and dad passed away, and we were cleaning out the house, and it's like, oh, my little lantern. So... I still have it. You don't always get to keep everything you have as a child. That one came as a little boy, a little light. But it was a favorite memory of a winter time long ago when I built a snow fort as a little boy. I needed light to be able to build. We need light in this life. We know that. We understand that. And there's a lot of false lights in this world. And people are proclaiming false lights, and people are following false lights. There's only one true light. That one true light 
His birth was announced by a star that wise men saw in the east and came seeking the one born of the king of the Jews. That one true light who was born as a babe grew to become a man who declared to the people of his day, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me shall not walk in darkness, but have everlasting life. And that one true light, Jesus Christ said to his followers, you are the light of the world. And so let it be that we would be lights that would shine forth in such a way that people would see our good works and glorify Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Father, that you would now bless us as we close out in worship. I pray, Father, that we would be lights to others around us. We live in a world, Lord, that mentally, we've read the survey today, people aren't doing so well. They're nervous. They're afraid. And we have the light of life for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, let us put those lights on the lamppost and shine in such a way that others might see the light and come to Jesus, that they too might have the light of Christ. It's our prayer, Lord, this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let